Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi everyone, this is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their 0 to 30,000 MR journey and beyond. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers. And you know you can trust your SaaS or mobile app with us. We'll give you the first 30 days no risk, and we guarantee being on time and on budget, or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at onestop.fm, and let's talk about your SaaS MVP project today. Today, we have Brian Castle of RestaurantEngine.com. Brian is a CEO and founder. Today, we'll talk to Brian about how he took his freelance experience and turned it into a SaaS, creating website creation service for restaurant. Let's take it from here. How are you, Brian? Doing great, Jordy. Thanks for having me on. Great. Can you start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing? Yeah, sure. I, that seems to be a tougher question to answer these days. <laughs> well, good. Um, I'm, tell me the story. <laughs> well, I, I guess, you know, when people ask me that, I say that I'm a, I'm a designer. I'm a web designer by trade. That's what I've been doing for the last uh, like eight to 10 years. But over these past couple of years, I've been moving away from being like a freelance web designer and more into building a products business. Primarily, I'm running a site called Restaurant Engine, and that is kind of a productized service around setting up websites for, as you might have guessed, restaurants and food trucks and, and that kind of sort of thing. And then we have another site that's kind of an offshoot of that uh, called Hotel Propeller, which is the same idea, but we set up sites for hotels, B&Bs, small resorts, and that sort of thing. So that's the main business that I've been working on and kind of bootstrapping and, and growing that organically over the last three years or so. And, and then on the side, really, but you know, I spend the other uh, writing on my own blog, that's at castjam.com, where I write all about bootstrapping and leveling up from being a freelancer to, in, especially these days, I'm writing more about productized services. You know, I just love to talk to fellow freelancers and bootstrappers, web workers who are kind of doing their own thing. And that's also what led me to start uh, my podcast, Bootstrap Web. And been doing that for about a year. And then I recently uh, brought on my friend Jordan Gal to be the co-host of that. So every week, Jordan and I talk about different issues and things that we're learning as, as we're both bootstrapping our businesses online. Cool. So, uh, and I have listened to it. It's a great show. So we'll put that in the show notes. I encourage anyone that's interested in bootstrapping to go over to... Yeah, I mean, it's on, it's on my site. It's also at bootstrapweb.com. Okay, great. So can you tell me about the transition going from freelancing to productizing your businesses? How did that go? It was tough. <laughs> you know, I think it's, that's always a, a hard transition to make. And it took me, you know, to fully phase out doing client work, um, which is what I did for several years to, to pay the bills and whatnot. It was probably a period of about two years, between one and two years, slowly building up a products business and then, you know, working extra hours, late nights, weekends, early mornings, get that going and 
And then um, eventually that kind of took over and I was able to phase out freelance client work altogether. So basically to get your product going, your, your SaaS going, you were just kind of started on the side. Do you, are you a programmer? Not really. I'm really more of a designer. I, I do code websites, so, but I'm more on the front end side of things, so the HTML, CSS. So you found and, a developer to help you then, or, so, or you paid a developer or something? I did. I did have a developer that I paid uh, early on uh, in the first few months. But the other thing is I'm, I know WordPress really well. That's what I had always used my client work. And then I built Restaurant Engine and Hotel Propeller on top of WordPress. So I do know programming from, the, from that standpoint, but I do hire developers, I, especially in the beginning. And I still do today for, for things that are a little bit over my head. And how are those businesses going? They're great. You know, they, um, You're not you know, doing any freelancing now then? Uh, correct. Okay, so, that's great. Um, so that's good. Yeah, they're, they're doing well. I have a small team of, of three people aside from myself, and, and we've been kind of just growing steadily and organically over the last three years. And so we're in the hospitality uh, sector as well, so I, I, I'd love to just sort of dive off into hospitality for a bit since you probably know and understand that sector. What made you choose to get into hospitality, or, or, or did you not choose it? It just sort of was chosen for you because you had a couple of big clients in that space, or...? You know, that's a good question. And um, to tell you the truth, there isn't any, you know, scientific reason or anything why I chose. So I started with the restaurant site and then and then about a year later, I opened the, the hotel site. But I started with restaurants. Basically, I mean, the original idea was to do some sort of hosted website service for some kind of niche. And the reason why I wanted to do that was because I wanted to make sure that every site that we serve had the same set of requirements like the same features because i didn't want to get into a situation where you know one client needed e-commerce another client needed a food menu another client needs a portfolio i mean essentially that's what i used to do as a freelancer so i wanted to make one product for one niche vertical and then i, I just kind of looked at a number of, of verticals and landed on restaurants simply because they have a very standard set of features that almost every restaurant or every food truck needs, right? They need to showcase their food menu. They need to show their hours, you know, post a couple of photos, integrate social media. They need a, a, a mobile optimized website and we do that. So I've, I put together this package of, of features that's perfectly suited for restaurants and, and kind of just started there. And then of course, I mean, restaurants and it's a, basically a worldwide market. So I, I figured that's a great place to start. And it's been a really hard learning experience to tell you the truth. I mean, getting into it, I, I didn't have any previous experience with restaurants other than, you know, waiting tables back when I was in college. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, I wasn't like personally connected to the hospitality industry or anything like that. So it's been, it's been very much a learning experience. And it, what are you finding that are some of the biggest challenges right now? Uh, let's start off with the hospitality industry. Like what, yeah, so, to you, what are some of their challenges and what pains are you solving? So for specifically for restaurants, so many of them are the established restaurants who've been around for a while. A lot of them have a website these days. It's very rare that a restaurant doesn't have some kind of website, but the, the websites that they do have tend to be very, very outdated, as, as most of us know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, built five, ten years ago. A lot of them are on Flash. They've got like music playing in the background. Things you know floating across the screen. It's um, you know they're not very optimized for mobile devices. And what happens is they they lose out on a lot of customers who are 
very much relying on their mobile phones and relying on going onto the internet to find out, you know, where where's a good place to dine out tonight. Or I mean, I know personally, like when my wife and I dine out, you know, we'll probably look at Yelp or we'll search on Google Maps and try to find some place. And if I click through to their website and their website doesn't load, I'm just going to click back and go yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. So so that's a lost customer, and we see that all the time with restaurants. The other key thing, and this kind of developed over the past year, especially more so in 2014, is we added, we've, we partnered with another company and we started adding online ordering oh, great. To, our, to our customers' websites. And that's, online ordering has been around for a couple of years, but it's it's just now starting to really gain traction with restaurants because they see how it can literally directly impact their sales and, and bottom line. And uh, not only are our restaurants coming around to it, but customers are, are starting to order online more and more. So so that's been a, a huge help as well. When you say online order, does that mean they order and then they come to pick up? Exactly. The uh, the pickup and delivery orders, okay. instead of like calling in, you know, local pizza place or whatever to place your order, you can just go on their website and, and place the order that way. Okay. That's interesting. That's just happening now. I mean, it's been around a couple of years, but it's starting to get more popular now. Um, yeah. Especially when it comes to like offices in, in cities or, you know, in the middle of the day, somebody will place an online order for the entire office or for a group of people and they'll go and pick it up or get it delivered. But that's pretty common. Yeah. How about reviews? Is that ever, you ever, people complain about that, your customers? Well, what we do with reviews is we let them, or a lot of times we do this for them. We'll go onto their Yelp page or anywhere else and we'll grab, you know, their best reviews and we'll showcase those right on their website. And we've built in like a feature to, to showcase your best reviews. And what we usually recommend is, you know, we can, you know, that you should showcase only your, your best reviews. Like you should hand pick the ones that you want to put on your on your website. And in a way, you know, because many restaurant owners are very frustrated with sites like Yelp, um, mm-hmm. where anybody can go on and just basically trash their, their restaurant and, you know, a lot of times it's, it's the customer, frankly, you know, who, you know, just wants to <laughs> tell a, a really bad story about their dining experience when, in fact, the restaurant does a great job. When a restaurant owns their own website, they can, they can bad, really bad. show, you know, and, and highlight the, the plus, the positive aspects. Yeah. And that's what we let them do. And I'm sure the hotels are, are wanting to, it's very similar, eh? You, it sounds like you could probably take what the restaurants had and really poured it over pretty easily for the hotels. And when, I, when, when you say hotels, I guess you're probably talking more like the independents and boutiques, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's exactly what we did. We, we did kind of poured over almost everything from Restaurant Engine into Hotel Propeller. We did make a few changes and tweaks. You know, for instance, I mean, you know, we don't do like food menus and whatnot for hotels. That doesn't make sense. But we did add, recently we added a, an online booking system for, for them to take bookings. And yeah, we, we have seen most of our customers on that are the boutiques. We get a lot of B&Bs, small motels and inns, get a, some actual like resorts, a lot of kind of like remote uh, resort destinations and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's been a, a pretty nice mix. And how are you doing your lead gen, just out of curiosity for your hotels? Where are you finding hoteliers, or are they just organically finding you and just coming to you? Yeah, for, for both sites, it's been very organic, and we've done a lot uh, with content marketing on, on both sites. So we've had, uh, we put out weekly new, you know, new articles every week, uh, both on the restaurant site and, 
and the hotel site. And then we also have an email list that we've been growing and sending out those new articles every week. We've got like email courses that people can sign up to and they can receive, you know, like an automated five-part email course on all about online ordering. We've got another one coming out soon, uh, which is about like SEO for restaurants and mm-hmm. kind of some best practices there. So we do a lot around a lot around like education and, and just kind of putting out valuable content. And that's really helped us not we do really well with the organic search. So you know we're on page one for all of our key terms. Um, that's how most customers find us, but we get a lot of people who just subscribe to our content and then start recommending us to you know, someone else who owns a restaurant and whatnot. So. When you say we, you're talking about Jordan? You have another business partner. No, no, no. I mean, we, I mean, I am the sole business owner of, of Restaurant Engine and Hotel Propeller. I've been using we because we are a team now. And we have ah, okay. I understand. Three employees who work there, so. So the the podcasting you do is is unrelated. Then that's um, that has some that's you're not sending pot you're not doing podcasts that are interesting to hoteliers. Uh, exactly right. The the podcast that I do with Jordan at Bootstrap Web, that is completely separate. That's really us just talking about business and kind of talking like behind the scenes of, of building a, a business like this. Okay. And how's and now why did you get started with that? Yeah, you know, um, before we started recording here, you you mentioned um, you know people who blog and podcast, and that, that's a great indicator of somebody being passionate about what they do. And I, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. Um, and that's basically why I got into podcasting. I mean, the first number one, I'm a huge junkie when I, like I listen to, I subscribe to like thirty different podcasts, and I'm constantly listening to to podcasts like in my car when I'm out walking the dog and. And all these things. So, so a year ago, you know, I, I just really wanted to get into it, and and I've been having a blast. We do it every single week. I think it's a really fantastic medium for um, just sharing different ideas and also connecting with an audience. You know, I I write a lot. I, I do a lot of blogging and whatnot. But the people who tune into the podcast and give us feedback there, I, I find it's kind of like much more of like an intimate relationship. Like and like the people that I tune into, my my favorite podcasts. You know, I feel like I know them. You know, and that's yeah. that's what I love about about podcasting. So you're doing it because you really love it, and see, you're just I mean, you don't even you're not even thinking about the end result on it. You're just sort of going down this path because you're really interested in this topic. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, we do it because we enjoy it. That's why I do everything on. I mean, okay, so we do it obviously because we enjoy it, and but you know, my site castjam.com, my blogging there. It goes hand in hand with the podcasting. Again, I spend all this time writing and teaching there because I enjoy it. But I do sell. I have an ebook that came out last year, and in about sometime in October, I'll be launching a new course all about productizing a. So, you know, there is a business aspect to it in, in that um, I'm building an audience, you know, of bootstrappers and freelancers who who want to level up. So all of this kind of contributes to that of building an audience. But the reason why I'm doing why Miami? Like I could just focus on the restaurant engine business, but the reason why I want to do this audience building stuff on the side is because I'm so passionate about this community of bootstrappers, and and I'm passionate about teaching as well. So, mm-hmm. so you just you're sort of generally now following an instinct which has led you that way. You're curious about it, and do you do it because it makes you feel good? It makes you feel better about like what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, yeah, I, I've been personally blogging for like over six years or maybe six or seven years on my site. And I only recently started actually selling education 
us there. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for a long time, and this is still true today, I, I've always done it just as as a passion, you know, just to get my ideas out there and to teach and to and to provide value, even though. You know, when I'm spending an entire Friday afternoon writing an article, I'm not getting paid for that. Right. I, it's just something that I enjoy doing, and I and I get feedback from readers, and I know that it, that they're getting value out of it, so I so I keep doing it. Is writing hard for you, or is it come easy? I think it it has always come easy, but it's definitely become much easier the more the more I write. So you enjoy it. You don't procrastinate or, or you just, oh, man, i got to write this article because you feel obligated. You're like, oh, man, I can't wait to write this article about the stuff that I just learned. Yeah, I, um, I do enjoy writing a lot. And whenever I'm writing anything on my own blog, it's completely out of, I, I'm inspired by some kind of idea. Maybe I heard a question from someone and I really want to provide an in-depth answer, write an article all about that. Um, that really does fire me up. Like I'll, I'll wake up early on a Saturday morning and write a whole article. I, I actually tend to write a lot on the weekends and the mornings. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I really love to write. I, I think for me, it's it's always been the best way to communicate and like get my thoughts together, put it out in, in writing. I, you know, I also do a lot of guest writing. I've written on like Mashable, and um, I have one coming out soon on on Smashing Magazine and Web Designer Depot. So I like contributing articles to these sites as well. Again, all, all that stuff you know takes a lot of work, at least on on each one. So, but it's uh, I, I do enjoy it. Yeah, that's good. So, where do you see yourself heading then? If you if you were to say, are you headed more towards your passion then, and or or is it or would you say you're just up next for you? Yeah, I mean, I really like the angle of this whole interview, by the way, and, and your and your theme here, following your passion, because I I do think that it's everything that I do, everything that I've always done is I just got to be loving what I'm doing every day. I got to wake up and really want to be working on what I'm, what I'm working on. And that, I think that's what has, you know, that's what led me out of leaving my full-time job. And then it led me out of leaving freelancing just because I'm following something that I, I feel strongly like this is how I want to spend my time. So yeah, I'm definitely doing things today that I, that I truly love and I'm working on building things that will hopefully make next, you know, so I, I am trying to get moved even more into writing for freelancers and bootstrappers and and teaching much more. Um, I see that as a big direction that I'm going in, like going into next year. So yeah. So more sort of info courses and stuff, monetizing that that passion. That's kind of what I'm doing right now, releasing these courses and starting to monetize. You know, as I'm building this audience. So I'd like to really dig in more into, into teaching. That would definitely be a, fo- that's a focus right now. And that's going to be a, probably an even bigger focus next year. I mean, alongside that, I will be continuing to build out a uh, restaurant engine and, and hotel propeller and kind of like practicing what I preach or what I teach, right? I, I like actually working on a business and then writing and teaching about building a business. If someone asked you, if somebody asked you, do you recommend go, go following your your passions? Would you say absolutely or would you be the person, well, will it make money? I would I would recommend that you do something first that makes you money or would you say take a risk and follow your passion? You know, that's a good question. I think I think when you're when you're just starting out, you have to make decisions that that are you have to be a little bit strategic about things, right? So, you know, I for a long time there, I I was freelancing as a web designer and I was taking on, you know, bigger and bigger projects and those were paying my bills. And then for a year or two, during that time when I when I personally 
knew that I, and I wanted to build this products business. It took me a good two years to, to build it up to a point where it can replace that freelance income. So there was a while there when I was taking on client projects that frankly, I didn't want to be taking on, but I, but I still did it anyway, because I needed to keep the bills paid and not to say I, I couldn't stand working with those people or, or doing web design. I, I mean, I still enjoyed that to a certain extent, but I, but I was really passionate about building up a, you know, a business that can basically run on autopilot. And that's what I've been building. So I think there's a balance. I think there's nothing wrong with looking at a current position or a current, a current phase as like a stepping stone to get to, you know, what you truly want to want to go after. So, you know, but I, I, th- I do think that, you should be. You should look at things like their se- stepping stones. Like, be intentional about about um, the decisions that you're making. You know, if, if you don't if you don't want to be working in in a corporate ladder job for the rest of your life, you know, there are other ways to make a living. You don't have to be doing that. You can you can get a, a job working at a startup. If, if what you want to do is a startup, but you know nothing about building a startup, go get a job and work for for an entrepreneur alongside them and learn from them for a year or two, and then build your thing on the side. You know, so I, I'm all about, I, I would strongly recommend something like that. Yeah, and I agree. Um, I, it, it's a big question that, that I come into when I'm interviewing people. People say, well, you know, some people say no. You know, so, uh, someone would say, well, I like playing guitar. That doesn't mean I should go out and be a musician. Whereas I'm, I'm really on this journey to find out what leads people to following their passions. How can you do it? And sometimes, you know, the right answer is there's no one right answer. And so that's why I was referenced you, and, and it really speaks a lot about someone that goes out and does this stuff, you know, and doesn't get paid because you're not getting paid for podcasting, and you're doing this because you really enjoy it, and that shows. And that's what I think is important for people to kind of go in that direction and use that as a stepping stone towards maybe achieving what they're really interested in. Yeah, totally. And, you know, when it comes to writing and podcasting, I think that and just doing little things on the side or doing side projects just just for the fun of it or just to learn or to gain more experience, even though you're not getting paid for it, there's huge value in that. And I mean, for example, whenever I'm hiring for any kind of position, whether I'm hiring a developer or a customer support person or, um, or a writer or any. If the if an, if the applicant has their own blog and they're actually writing and they're publishing things, or or a developer tells me like, yeah, I created this plugin, you know, I'm I'm selling it or, or I gave it away for free, but you know, it's just kind of scratching my own itch type of deal. I look at things like that, and that's a huge plus in my book as I'm looking to hire someone. You know, that shows me that like this person isn't just doing this for a job. They really love what they're doing so much so that they'll go out and write about it or they'll go out and, and do their own projects. So. If you don't have the opportunities yet, you know, if you don't have a job yet or if you don't have a business yet, go out and just create something as a side project. And, you know, you never know where that where that might lead. Yeah, I agree. Can you tell me some of the most valuable lessons that you took from moving from being a freelancer to becoming an entrepreneur and systematizing your business? Yeah, sure. So I think the biggest thing was kind of breaking free of making an income that's tied to my time. So billable hours. I didn't really build by the hour. I, I used to build by the project, but still, as a freelancer, I could only take on you know a certain number of projects at any given time, which basically meant I I was capped my income that I can make for a year. But, you know, I did increase my rates a little bit over the years, but 
there was still that that limitation. So that's really what led me into doing into like a productized service and building systems was it allowed me to remove myself from the work so that the business can basically run on autopilot. And today, I mean, to you know, this is like three years later, Restaurant Engine almost completely runs on autopilot. I mean, we get traffic coming to our site thanks to articles written by my writing team. And then somebody requests a consultation and my salesperson calls them up and does their consultation. Then they sign up on the site and then my customer support team will set up their website for them and enter all their food menus and everything, answer all their questions. And all of that work, I mean, I'm hands off. I, I don't have to be involved in any of that. I'm just focused on building systems and helping my team and making sure that they can be as successful and efficient as possible. You know, then I, I'll, I'll work on like marketing and, and then I get to do some podcasting on the side. So yeah, that's that's what it's allowed. What it's really allowed me to do is kind of step back and look at the bigger picture and focus on growing an asset, a business that's something of value rather than just selling my time. And where did you learn to build these systems? Did you teach yourself or did you have a resource? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a hard learning experience. I guess it, I did teach myself a lot along the way. The, the one book that really changed my whole thinking around this was reading um, The E-Myth Revisited uh, by Michael Gerber. That was like a game changer for me when I read that book. Probably read that like five or six years ago. And, you know, because I, I never went to business school or anything like that. So I don't, I never really learned this kind of stuff. And but yeah, you know, once I once I read that, and and then just just the whole concept of I want to build a machine that that can run without me, I've been really excited by that idea. And, and then just like piece by piece over the over a number of years, each individual task, I'd write a really long procedure, details, screenshots, everything, and just delegate and remove myself from from one task, and then I'll remove myself from the next task, and then the next one till itself, and that's. That's essentially a productized service. We still do a lot of things manually, like we'll, excuse me, we'll, we'll do, like we'll set up a, web, a, a customer's website, we'll input all of their content for them, we'll customize it a little bit. We do all that stuff manually, but it's all based on these procedures that, that I've developed and my team has helped me to de- develop. And, and so it's all based on these systems. And that's really what productizing a service is all about. Great. So if people want to learn more about what you're up to, you think Cast Jam is the best place to send them? Yeah, so uh, my, my site is castjam.com. I also have a, um, a free email course, Productizing Your Service. You'll find that right on the homepage of, of castjam.com. Kind of five lessons about this kind of thing, like building systems and removing yourself uh, from your work, uh, that sort of thing, building freedom. The, the podcast, again, that there's a link off of there from castjam.com, but that can also be found at bootstrappedweb.com. Jordan Gal and I co-host that. And, uh, I'm also Cast Jam on Twitter, so feel free to reach out anytime. And you know, if anybody has questions or anything, you can always email me, Brian at castjam.com. Sounds like you're probably a very pro- approachable guy that answers all his emails too. I, I do answer all of my emails. I um, believe it. I mean, I I get more than these days. I'm a little bit slower, but uh, I I do try to talk to everybody. I like to leave our listeners with one call to action. Can you give us a call to action for the guy that's struggling to go from freelancing to productizing his business? Can you leave him with one thing to do? Yeah, sure. So I think I think just this concept of working on your business and not in your business. And this is a big one that I learned from that, that book, uh, E-Myth. Basically, you, you got to be working on things 
that will move your business forward. You don't necessarily need to work on things that are that you're being paid for. So if you're working on a website or working on a project and someone's paying you for that time, think about, well, how can I systemize this or write a quick procedure that I can eventually delegate this task out to someone and then I don't have to do it myself. If you think in those terms, like building something for the future, you know, working on your business, not in it, you know, that, that's a great mindset shift to, to go down. I agree. It's great advice, Brian. Appreciate your time. We'll put the We'll put the e-meth in there so people can go ahead and order it on Amazon. I've read it myself. It's an excellent book. Yeah, cool. Thanks very much, Brian, for your time. Sounds good, Jordy. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner.